I found myself quite complacent and and a little bit bored at work and yeah and I guess it wasn't till I combined my passion for fitness and marketing together that's sort of when when sort of the fireworks started to happen no one knows everything straight away like mm. you just need to respect the process I think and yes. respect the the fact that you need to you need experience you need to learn from other people particularly and you need to be a sponge when it feels scary to jump that's exactly when you jump otherwise you end up staying in the same place your whole life welcome to the seize the yay podcast busy and happy are not the same thing we too rarely question what makes the heart sing we work then we rest but rarely we play and often don't realize there's more than one way so this is a platform to hear and explore the stories of those who found lives they adore. The good, bad and ugly, the best and worst day will bear all the facets of seizing your yay. I'm Sarah Davidson, or Spoonful of Sarah, a lawyer turned fun entrepreneur who swapped the suits and heels to co-found Matcha Maiden and Matcha Milk Bar. Seize the Yay is a series of conversations on finding a life you love and exploring the self-doubt, challenge, joy and fulfilment along the way. Last episode of the year, beautiful people, and what a year it's been. I'm absolutely buzzing from all the amazing things we've done with CZA this year, and every day I'm just so grateful for you wonderful listeners for being part of the neighborhood and making it possible. Not going to lie, though, I'm definitely feeling the exhaustion and I'm ready for a little bit of time off. Don't forget that a big part of seizing your yay is taking time to rest, rejuvenate and play while you let your mind and body recover. So while I pushed through last year, we're taking a little break for a few weeks over the new year, but I've triple dosed over the last seven days, so that should keep you going. Before we sign off, I've got one last episode for the year for you with one of my dear friends and huge inspirations, Michael Ramsey. Like many of these chats, I'm not only honoured to be sharing his amazing story, but also got to find out a heap of things I didn't know before. You might have encountered Ramsey before through one of the six F45 studios he once owned, including the world's number one studio in Port Melbourne. You could have also seen the buzz created by his amazing journey retreats that have collaborated with the Keep It Cleaner girls, Steph and Laura, Simon Hill from Plant Proof, and many more exciting collabs to come next year. Or it could be his brand new venture, Strong, bringing the row former to Australia for the first time that caught your eye. And that's only a few of the many facets of this fascinating human. But of course, there have been so many diversions and learnings along the way. And as always, I love to remind you that the way to yay is never linear. Before he shot to fame in the fitness world, Ramsey started his career in the oil and gas industry and also had a boating technology startup, among many other things that belied the success he'd later have in a completely different world. Such a great story to finish with, showing again the patience and resilience it takes to finally find your yay. Hope you enjoy. You're looking a little nervous there, Rams. I am nervous. <laughs> I'm always nervous with this stuff. <laughs> it's so weird. I never see you nervous. And then now you're all sweaty palms. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> it's so cute. <laughs> Just close your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm so excited to have you here. We also have Timber, uh, who's making some heavy breathing noises and scratching on the floor and probably going to have a bark. Yeah, my little beautiful Frenchie. <laughs> your my baby. Daughter. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of think that she was your girlfriend for ages and now she's kind of migrated. Yeah, well, she was for a while and then I've actually got a real girlfriend now, so um, they're competing at the moment. Yeah, how does that work? Do they have to pass the timber test? Do you know what happened? Before Leah came along, Timber was actually sleeping upstairs with me every of night. she was. Um, and then Lee came along and just said, no, nah, it's not happening anymore. So <laughs> Timber's, had to, Timber's had to get used to sleeping downstairs. Sometimes she manages to creep through and she'll scratch at the door and I can hear her at like five in the morning. It's been really annoying, actually. <laughs> Lucky she's cute. Yeah, she's beautiful. <laughs> All right. So the first question before we get started, as you know, is what the most down-to-earth thing is about you. To cut straight through that glossy social media surface... Which I think is not necessarily a bad thing. It doesn't mean we're hiding things, but it's just a necessary side effect of being so focused on the digital and on the visual. So what's something super down to earth about you? Yeah, I think the most down to earth thing would be that I'm a massive piano nerd. You are. Yeah. I love this about you. Yeah. It's such a little hidden talent that comes out like once a quarter. 
Yeah, generally when I'm a little bit drunk, I've got people <laughs> around at my house. But um, yeah, I started piano when I was five years old. Um, went through the whole system. Was going to be professional piano player when I finished high school, and um, ended up just giving it up. But yeah, I still play most days. Most days. Yeah, really. It's, it's a bit of a meditation for me. Like it'll calm me down. If I'm really, really busy with work, it just sort of takes my mind off everything. I love it so much. The first time I saw it, like I just see you as such a focused businessman and then such a fitness orientated person and just music kind of never crossed my mind. And then I can't even remember the first time I saw it, but you literally just sat down and started this like full concerto, like (laughs) without any sheet music. I was like, what is happening? I was so lucky. Like when I went through sort of high school and I had this music scholarship and I had to actually maybe play the trombone and and whatever else, (laughs) I I had this this, um, improv coach called Jordan Murray and he took me under his wing and he taught me that like every piece of music basically has a formula a chord progression a key um and so he kind of taught me to just be able to improvise over anything play any song be able to just use that formula to to create sound a nice sound you know it's what i mean amazing yeah so um yeah, i was really lucky in that regard yeah, it's so crazy. Like, it's mm. one thing to be able to play extraordinary pieces that are, you know, have been composed already, but to see you freestyle, <laughs> I'm just like, what is happening in that brain of yours? <laughs> yeah. We'll have to find some of the, the little snippets on Instagram and share them in the show notes because they're truly extraordinary. Sure. Easy. So, <laughs> so way to yay. The, I think one of the most important things to explore in these podcasts is the bit that doesn't usually make it to social media purely because it's just so long ago. And it, you often you come into people's lives and you see them, you know, it looks like an overnight success, but it's 10 or 20 or 30 years in the making. And people seem so, like at the moment, if anyone looked at you, you'd seem so sure of your direction and sure of what you're doing. But I'm sure it took so many false starts or like, you know, getting lost in different directions and lots of different phases before you got here. So let's go back to the very beginning to young Michael. What were you like at school? Did you have an awkward phase? What was it like being a twin? And uh, how was Strathmore Secondary College? Wow, you've done your research. Always. You? <laughs> this was hard though. You yeah. actually don't have that much sort of young Ramsey information out there. Yeah, I've tried to kind of remove that from my <laughs> social media. Um, now I was like, I was a music nerd in high school. Um, I was kind of sporty, but always more of a music guy. Um, I wasn't that clever of a student, but I, I kind no of, way. I found learning. I found learning relatively easy, but I found focusing quite tough. Yeah. So I couldn't really sit still for too long. Um, my twin was always very musical as well. Um, and she's kind of gone down more of that path now than I have. But yeah, it was, it was very interesting. I, I didn't really know what I wanted to do when I finished high school. Um, I, I thought I wanted to be a muso, but... At the end of the day, I kind of fell in love with with sort of marketing and and business. Mm, that's so interesting. I mm. like I actually didn't know that the piano was almost to the point of going pro, and that for a lot of your high school life, you probably thought that that might have been your career. Like, had you even considered business and fitness at that age? Um, I had. I saw fit, fitness was more of a passion for me, so I actually did my PT course when I was sixteen. Oh, really? Um, yeah. No way. And I started, I realized I was a little bit entrepreneurial when I, because I could get this discount for protein um, because I was a qualified PT in high school. So I'd go, <laughs> I'd go buy protein, say a tub for 50 bucks and then I'd sell it to my friends for 70. Oh my but God. But it would retail at 90. So, um, you know, they were still getting a good deal. I was making 20 bucks. Um, so yeah, I guess I kind of realized I was, I was a little bit entrepreneurial in that sense. But yeah, I, I think... The music thing was just a natural kind of, I don't know, it was a natural hobby for me. But, you know, I look back now and, and I'm, can you Sorry, hear Timber? All those noises at Timber. She's running it's around. It's not me breathing heavily in the background. <laughs> she's got a um, toy eggplant in her mouth and she's running around. <laughs> I think it, you know, adds to the ambience. Yeah. <laughs> and this is the true Ramsey, you know, behind the scenes. Yeah. Timber we, is always involved. <laughs> that's my favourite emoji, the eggplant emoji. So it's a great emoji, it really is. I bought it for her as an early Christmas present. She as you can see, she's getting stuck into it. She's going to town on it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> going to town. Oh my gosh. Okay, so 
you were a PT already at school. I yep. love that you were, without realizing it, you were kind of doing the lemonade stand thing, but with protein, which yeah. is fitting for how things turned out. <laughs> so how did you end up choosing, not knowing what you want to do, which is the same position that a lot of people are in when they first finish school, how did you end up choosing to do business and marketing? Like why, is it because it was broad or is it because you thought that you might make a career out of it? Um, to me, it was very practical. Um, I liked it because it all made sense to me. Like business management was my best subject. Um, and I didn't get the best enter score. So I guess I, marketing was a pretty easy entry level. Um, yeah, so I just ended up doing that instead of music. I did all the auditions. I got into Victoria College of Arts for bass guitar and piano. Stop it. And declined to, um, to do marketing at Vic Uni. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. No way! Yeah, so... I did not know you got into VCA. It, it, could, it could have been a very different life for me, but I think I look back now and I'm really, really happy the way it's gone. Um, it's, it's, it'd be tough out there as a muser, I reckon. Yeah. Um, it's particularly like the live performance kind of market is... It's, 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 it's yeah, it's a lot... It's not what it was, put it that way. Mm, it's mm. so interesting. I actually got into the VCA... And then the Australian Ballet for Dancing. Yeah. And same thing. Had this weird sliding doors moment of it almost could have gone a completely different direction, which would have been, you know, at the time it would have felt very much like following my passion, but I'm just so glad that it worked out the way that it did because it's so good to have those passions on the side, but it is. It's a really, really hard pathway. And so interesting that you that you have still been able to keep it up mm. but not necessarily as your career did you keep yours up are you are you dancing much no, or not no? at all i mean i had a good dance floor uh phase as i believe you did yeah at ramsey campardi was the first handle that we all remember it still exists <laughs> i know didn't the boys revive it yeah it's, it's been revived it's now at ramsey campardi legit if you want to give it a follow, it's a pretty, pretty interesting page. <laughs> Just to make sure that it, you know, it's not, it's the real you. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so what were your uni years like then? I mean, apart from hosting at nightclubs, I think Nick and you have known each other for a very long time. Oh, God. And this is why this, this podcast is so interesting because we, we know each other so well through this, probably the last five years, which has been sort of my big growth phase. We've, we've, you know, I've come a long with, way. We've come a long way. <laughs> I've worked with Nick a lot, but yeah, look, I, I found I found uni actually quite interesting. Um, I was a PT on the side, and mm. I was promoting nightclubs on the side. Um, <laughs> Weren't we all? I got a lot of cash from that. That got me through uni. That got me through uni as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Knocked out uh, a few of my brain cells, but that's all right. Yeah, but it's a lot of. It's interesting when you can make more money in four hours at a nightclub than you can in a 40-hour week. Totally. Um, and it's cash as well. <laughs> no tax. Yeah. And it's also what you would have been doing on that four hours anyway. Like it's probably what I would have chosen to do. Just, well, it was just what I chose socializing to do. and just being person, personable and, yeah. Um, I'm sure you learned a lot of marketing skills. Yeah. It's, <laughs> I, I think more just reading people, reading who's... Yeah you know, who, who's not too drunk and who's, you know, who, who's actually serious about having a conversation, who's there just to have fun. And it's, yeah, it's a pretty interesting world, isn't it? Such a weird world. But it's also really interesting that now, if you look in our current networks, there's actually so many links back to that phase of like nightclub days of all of us now having grown into our own businesses or grown into our own careers. And we still kind of go back to the relationships of people that we knew from back then. And like back then you never would have thought that any of us would necessarily get our <laughs> shit together later, but it's so interesting. Yeah. I think a lot, a lot of people from that era of, of the nightclub, the Melbourne nightclubs and that have done really, really well. I know. That's yeah. what I mean. Like yeah. you still, we, I find that we're all still, working together or seeing each other and, and doing really similar things that back then you would have not thought any of us would make it out. Yeah. <laughs> so you also did your master's in commerce and marketing. Yeah. What made you choose further study? Um, I, th I felt I had to learn a little bit more. So I was, I was very fortunate while I was doing my bachelor, I started a business with my dad called um, Shaw Systems. Did you really? Yes, I was 19 at this point. And it was basically, um, it was in the boating industry. And we would admit ultrasonic transducers to the bottom of boat hulls and it would replicate the cell structure of algae and kill algae, right? 
because when you when you have a big boat that stays in the water you need to take it out of the water anti-foul it right put paint on it to stop all the algae from growing and put it back in which is quite an expensive process so me and my dad opened this business and it did really really well in the in well in the first year it did a million dollars revenue shut up and it was like back then it was all print media right so it was all magazines it was all um you know a, a lot of sort of industry sort of marketing but yeah, I just, I felt a little bit lost. You know, I operated this business for a few years and continued my study and finished finished my degree, but I still didn't really feel like I knew what I was doing. And I feel like <laughs> I didn't have the hands-on experience or, or, or even, I guess, the mentoring from other marketing professionals because it was pretty much me running the marketing strategy <laughs> in an industry that I'd never really worked in. So yeah, I, I kind of... I kind of just thought I, I need to I need to learn more I need to I need to do more and yeah went back to did my masters at RMIT and that was a a three year process and yeah haven't really read a book since <laughs> it kind of takes the joy out of it doesn't it, it kind uh, of beats it out of you also I don't see where you have time to actually read books but we'll get to that yeah. <laughs> so then you ended up as a marketing manager in oil and gas of all industries how did that transition like did you how did you finish up in the business with your dad or was that, were they both at the same time? And is this after you graduated? Like what was the timeline from then? So with, with Shore Systems, with the boating, um, the boating uh, product. Um, <laughs> so specific. Yeah. I actually just ended up throwing in the towel and moving to Hamilton Island. So I actually had like, call it a gap uni year of like, <laughs> it was probably more like seven months. And I just went and worked as a housekeeper in Hamilton Island and made Stop beds. Stop it. Yeah. Okay, so this is why I love these chats so much is because even the people you f- you're really close to, you see all the time, you know they're now and maybe their last five years, but all the stuff before that counts towards the person you've been today and yet you don't get to find out about it. Who would imagine Ramsey Campardi making beds? Yeah. This is amazing. I learned so many things. If you've got a dirty mirror, use a dry towel to clean the mirror. No product, anything like that. Just try it next time. It, it works really, really well. <laughs> pearls of wisdom, Rams. Pearls of wisdom. So what led you up there? Was it just because you wanted to take a complete break? Or? Yeah, my, my sister was there. Um, so that was really cool. I, I was really missing her. Which one? My, my older sister, Alicia. Alicia. Amazing. Um, and yeah, I just wanted to change. I wanted to do something crazy. I know like a lot of people will go live in a lot of Australians will go live in the UK for a little bit and, and do that sort of thing. And for me, I wanted to be close to my family and friends. And um, it was just a really quick, easy option just to just to change things up. It's been it's been a little bit of an ongoing pattern. Like I do I do get bored quite easily and I hate routine and Hamilton Island was just a lot of fun. And and like it was so I actually enjoyed it so much. Like not having any sort of responsibilities and just yeah. going to work and literally making beds, cleaning bathrooms and and having absolutely no concerns in the world was a dream. Wow. After coming from trying to manage this business at yeah. 21 that was, you know, was quite, I think, customer focused and, mm. and just really full on. Yeah, absolutely loved it. I was so happy. That's so interesting. I mm. can't even imagine that. But I love that you had like nearly a whole year of doing that and mm. and loved it so much because I think there's something in the simplicity of doing jobs like that that also gives you time to just be yourself and like figure out who you are and not be so caught up in like all the other things and the busy that's going on yeah so side note before we move on which of your sisters so i know your twin took rumsevich which is your actual surname yeah and you've tweaked it a little to ramsey which of your sisters took which name and why did you change yours well it's ramsey ramsey's our family name Oh, okay. So everyone, yeah. everyone has. Every, yeah. So when my when my grandparents on my dad's side migrated to Australia, they were Rumsevich, which is Ukrainian, oh. and then they changed it to Ramsey to I guess Westernize, Westernize the name. Oh, so everyone changed it. Yeah, everyone changed it. But okay. my my twin sister likes to go by Rumsevich because she's very traditional. She actually she looks after the biggest Slavic collection in the Southern Hemisphere. Wow. Um, as a librarian. Oh my God, yeah. I love her so much. Yeah. Did you, know, did you not know that about her? I did her? not no. know that. Um, I just knew that she kept 
the original name. Oh, you'll notice on her birth certificate it's still Ramsey, but... Okay. Oh, wow. Her passport? It's all yeah, Ramsey. It's all Ramsey, but oh, she's, she's so just, fancy on it. She's a bit on of a Facebook. hipster. She lives in Brunswick. You know, of course, she does. Probably smokes a lot of weed. Um, <laughs> Good on her. <laughs> she's such a legend. I love yeah. it. All right, so you finished your masters in 2014, yep. and then was 2014 or 15 the Hamilton yep. Island year? No, no, sorry. That was that was earlier. That was so. I finished my bachelor, then went to Hamilton, oh. Island, and then after Hamilton Island, came back. Started my master's and started working in oil and gas. Okay. In 2014. Wow. Yeah, and that was that was because I was doing a lot of B two B work with Shore Systems. So mm-hmm. It just was a natural sort of progression, and it was cool. We did some really cool stuff, but again, it wasn't really for me. Like it wasn't. I wasn't passionate about oil and gas. Wasn't passionate mm-hmm. about CO two capture or LNG processing or <laughs> all this sort of stuff that I had to learn to market. Um, to sort of to from a business level but yeah so I I found myself quite complacent and and a little bit bored at work and yeah and I guess it wasn't till I combined my passion for fitness and marketing together that's sort of when when sort of the fireworks started to happen and isn't that just so interesting like even thinking about it now if anyone had met you at this phase they would have had no idea and you would have had no idea of everything that has come since then which is I think kind of what defines you but it takes time to get there like no one kind of steps out of uni and steps straight into the thing I mean very few people actually step straight into the thing that does light them up it takes a couple of jobs a couple of years a couple of phases of like learning and discovering before you even start on the path that will get you there and I think people are so keen to rush into their passion and find things straight away but it it takes a lot of steps like this is a lot of steps to get even to this point in your life and a lot of time of not knowing where that was going necessarily exactly I think you do need to you do need to eat shit for a little bit yeah Um, you need to clean bathrooms yeah you do you do (laughs) and um it, it defines you and again like it's no one knows everything straight away like mm. you just need to respect the process i think and yes. respect the the fact that you need to you need experience you need to learn from other people particularly and you need to be a sponge i love my business partner mark always says this but he's like be the stupidest person in the room always be the dumbest person in the room um and that's what he's he's been doing lately like he <laughs> being the dumbest person in the room <laughs> no but but he 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 will listen to certain podcasts and listen to um and try and sort of surround himself with certain kind of people who who he can um, learn from and, and build build his own skill set from um, and that's really commendable whereas for me I, I, I'm a little bit um, you know after uni I've sort of just been like oh I can't I don't want to learn anymore I don't want to <laughs> you know I try it's like my way or the highway which which probably isn't the best approach at times mm-hmm. um, so yeah it's, it's an interesting dynamic with me and him but um yeah, yeah, so tell us about that so Feb 2015 is when the real fireworks started so the functional group began its life in the world and ended up being six different F45 studios. But, you know, now looking back, I'm like, of course, that's what Ramsey did. But from oil and gas marketing to F45, like that's a huge jump. So how did you, firstly, how did you and Army decide to go into business together? And secondly, how did you take such a drastic jump? Like, was it, what pushed you over the edge? Was it the displeasure with what you were doing? Was it that an opportunity kind of presented itself or did you have to go and seek that out? Um, so Mark, um, slash army, he was actually my boss at motel nightclub. Um, <laughs> yes, I did know this. Yeah. So he would give me, he'd give me a hundred drink cards to go give out to people and, and we'd all do shots and I'd be like the, the social guy, you know, and, um, nothing's changed guys. <laughs> I, I feel like I'm a little more introverted these days, but yeah. And, and he actually approached me with F45. He, he saw the concept. Um, and back then there were probably, oh, there would have been only four to five studios open. Mm. And he said, oh, I think you'd be perfect for this. Um, because you've got your PT background, you've got your marketing background and he go and, and he wanted to get into something different himself. He was tired. He was sick of doing the nightclubs. Mm. Um, and we, I think we both just wanted something that we could call our own. Um, you know, I, 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 I wasn't exactly thrilled with, I wasn't sure where I was going at that point in time. I was just, you know, doing my nine to five and, and probably not very happy about it. It felt like a bit of a death sentence, mm. you know? Um, and I, and he was probably in the same position. So, um, 
yeah, he 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 brought that to my attention. Um, <laughs> we got the first flight to Bondi F45, and I walked into that studio, and I remember looking at the sled track with a huge line of people to get into the next class. Like I'm talking, there would have been like 30 people waiting there with 30 people training and it was manic. Like the music was pumping, there was a DJ and I was like, what is this? Yeah, like, this is it. <laughs> yeah, this, this is, I need to be involved in this. Guy's girlfriend just walked past. Bye, beautiful. Bye, darling. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. And, like, it's funny that you thought about seeing 30 people, but then in all the classes I ever went to at your studios, it was, like, 60 people and 60 people. Yeah, I think... With, like, two DJs and, like, just... Oh. So, Port Port Melbourne ran, at its peak, it ran classes of 72 people with five trainers. Um, Yeah, those were the... They were like a nightclub. Like, with the DJ, they were just... You would lose yourself in the workout. It was amazing. Yeah. It was really cool. And and I guess, like, we didn't realise what it was that... What what the limitations were with the brand. Like, we were given this business model, and on the business model, it it said um, 180 members paying $60 a week. Um, And then... So I played around with the business model. I'm like, well, what if this 180 can be put up to 400 members? What does that equate to? <laughs> um, and, <laughs> and I remember speaking to the founder, Rob. He's like, yeah, mate, like, it's good, but like, just calm down. Just calm down. Like, just, you know, stick to, stick to the, the business model and whatever else. But what actually happened was we, we opened Port Melbourne and we were number 10 in the world. So think about this 2,500 studios now and we we're number 10. Um, and we opened with one studio and, you know, we worked, we worked so hard to fill this studio and it, it had no brand equity in Melbourne. Um, and we, we got all the, um, we got all the sort of celebrities and stuff that we used to look after in the nightclubs. We got them to come into (laughs) F45 and we got them to post and, and because me and Army used to hang out with them and, and, and give them drink cards and all that sort of stuff. (laughs) Give them workout cards. Yeah. Now we just moved from alcohol to fitness. Um, and it, it seemed to work, but you know, those, those first few months were, were tough. Yeah. Yeah. It was so tough. No one knew what it was, you know. Um, that's when I really got to know Nick quite well. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he, he kind of took me under his wing a little bit and, and did a lot of our sort of systems for our website and lead generation and things like that. And I learned a lot from him. And um, it's amazing who comes in and supports you and, and even who doesn't. Mm. Sometimes the people you expect that are going to come in and, and, and really get around you, they don't. Mm. Um, and I think, you know, you can't take it personally because everyone's got their own shit going on. Mm. Such an interesting process. But um, we, we busted our asses for a good year. We ate shit for a good year. Um, and then eventually after, you know, after me taking, me and Army taking every single class um, <laughs> from six in the <laughs> morning. That yeah. Used, that's Remember amazing. Army would actually demo <laughs> yeah. the exercises? <laughs> So, that is amazing. Someone is there video evidence somewhere, like just to prove that it actually happened. I actually slept in one morning. I, it only happened once, and he had to introduce the class. And I, I just, I would love to be a fly on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> so from then, I mean, after a year of like hard, hard work establishing yeah. this brand, and we, it's hard for us to imagine because now it's just so ubiquitous. But back then, you guys really put it on the map, and then grew so fast to six studios. You had. Port Melbourne, South Yarra, Ascot Vale, Geelong, Darwin and Palmerston, which is like extraordinary, particularly because it's not just in one state. How did you do that? Like, how did you scale up? How did you manage, you know, the staff and the brand? Like, I think it's such a, an interesting challenge owning studios that are part of a bigger kind of franchise because it's hard to have your own identity and, you know, build your own audiences, but then also be part of a bigger umbrella. Like what was unique about you that made your studios pack it up? Um, I think the number one thing in this industry is community. I think a lot of people are delivering the same thing. Um, really, they're, they're burning body fat, they're building lean muscle, you're getting, you know, good vibes from a lot of different places. But I think the one thing that sets different studios apart is, is community. So mm. because we're right in there working it, we're able to build community. Um, 
and we had to be um, we had to be completely, I guess, um, unselfish, and as opposed to taking money out of the business, um, we we sat on a, on a on a quite a small wage for probably the first three to four years, mm-hmm. and just reinvested into the next year and reinvested into the next and the next. And, you know, as much as we would have loved to be, you know, paying dividends and, 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 and doing nice things and, and going away <laughs> on big trips and whatever else, we knew that we couldn't do that if we wanted to grow. And, and yeah, so that was, that was really nice that eventually there was a means to an end because mm-hmm. it, got to, it, got, it got to a point where it felt like we were just, we were never going to win. Like yeah. in terms of from a financial perspective, because it was just like reinvest, reinvest, reinvest. And it was, yeah. <laughs> I know that feeling. Um, and it, it's unfortunately, that's just the way it is. But mm. it, what a like what a great lesson as well. And just to know that there is light at the end of the tunnel. Mm. Um, so, yeah, that was, um, that was a really cool experience. What, looking back, would you say are some of the highest highlights and the lowest lowlights? Um, the, probably the biggest highlight for me and it's the proudest I've ever been was, um, Port Melbourne won best studio in the world three yes. years in a row. And just, Insane. just getting up there at the Ivy, at the F45 conference and speaking in front of, you know, hundreds of franchisees and being able to like tell them how we did it mm. and, and, and why we did it and what we believe in, um, that was that was I was really really proud then. Um, I don't think I barely drank the whole night. I was on this massive high, and you know me, like I, I like to get stuck in. I love a good red wine. This, yeah, that was the proudest moment, I guess. One of one of the lowest points was at the start. I, I remember because I'd quit my job. I, I didn't didn't have any money. Um, eating cans of tuna for lunch and, and Mark would actually buy me lunch oh, um, and, and we'd, we'd, oh. we'd have a class and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to tell a sob story no, here, no, but, no, it's, but it's, it's, ama- it. it's amazing how quickly it, it all developed, but um, seeing like these sort of classes of five people, six people, and we're just like, what are we doing wrong? And mm. the whole thing behind it was just to be patient and, and to keep working hard and it, eventually it happened. Mm. Um, so that was, yeah, I, I remember. And and at the same time, Mark was still working at, at the nightclub, motel nightclub, but it was getting a renovation and it actually burnt down. Do you remember that? Yes, I do remember that. So we it's like went- an end of an era. People were in mourning. Yeah, so we went from um, from one, I guess, one income to none. And so he started full-time in F45 as well. And we both just like, we have to make this work. Mm. We have to make it work. Otherwise, we're fucked. Mm. Yeah. yeah, you guys are so funny. It like literally yeah. sounds like you're describing a marriage, but that's kind of what a business partnership is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I think something I've heard you guys both say and have read you guys both give as a really important piece of advice is, what helps you keep going is that if it were easy, everyone would do it, which is so true. Like people forget just how much of a shit show it is to get things to the point where you see them now. But if that part were easy, everyone would be where you are now. And yet very few people actually are. Yep. So it's, it's amazing. I mean, congratulations on, on everything that you have done. And that's not even half of it. So when did you realize, having gone from one to six studios, when did you decide that's it? We're not gonna, you know, we're not gonna go for this ten or the whatever else, and and we'll sell out and, and start something else. When did that become the um, goal? It was never really a a, a a decision as such. It's just sort of organically happened. Um, firstly, there weren't a lot of territories left <laughs> um, yeah. with F forty five. They they sold out very quickly and. I, I actually believe F45 is is one of the best franchises that will ever exist mm. um, in in the industry. It's it's an amazing concept. Um, yeah, it just sort of we got to a point where it was like getting to be like Groundhog Day. Mm. Um, you know, I wasn't able to be creative, mm. and I wasn't able to. I wasn't writing the workouts. I wasn't doing the marketing strategy. I wasn't doing the PR strategy. I wasn't um, being able to to be completely creative and call it my own. I was I was a franchisee, and although I, I was you know well into that network and and established myself in that network, it still wasn't mine. And I think Army felt a little bit the same. Mm-hmm. Um, so it just got to a point where we were like, let's um let's give this thing a real crack. Let's let's be the franchisor and and let's. 
let's let's put everything that we know and we've learned and everything that, that we're passionate about let's put it into something else and 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 let's let's just let's not die wondering yeah, yeah. oh my gosh and I, I wonder like over time i think your risk appetite gets higher because you trust yourself a little bit more to be able to do it so how did and this is just so exciting for me because it's so current now how did strong come about and also journey so the two big things that you've got going which are already just both smashing it journey retreats which is how many times a year now are you running retreats um i think next year we'll do 12 oh my gosh 12 12 retreats of 60 to 100 people which are smashing it with some i we can't talk about them yet but super super exciting collaborations going for for the you know, they, the retreat's kind of themed for each one based on a different collaborator or partner, and they are just just dominating. And then Strong has been open, what, like a couple of weeks and is already... Four weeks today. Oh, my gosh. Happy yeah. anniversary. Thanks. And um, <laughs> I'm, I'm in a really good mood today. Like, I, I went and trained this morning, and um, first time I've seen the classes full, um, which, is, which is awesome. Um, but, yeah, just couldn't be happier. Um, so yeah, the flagship's been open now four weeks, um, and we're we're about to roll out to pretty much Australia, New Zealand, Asia. Oh my gosh! Yeah. So guys, the concept is very new, and that's why it's so cool. Is because no one else in Australia has done it. It's a Roformer machine, which Rams has the exclusive license for in Australia. And basically you do kind of intervals of strength and Pilates work, and then you get to do a hardcore cardio section on the rower and you swap between them. So it's a full body workout that kind of is, you know, for the busy person, which is everyone these days, it's quick, efficient. You only have to do it a couple of times a week and your whole body gets worked out and you get all the styles of working out. It's just nuts and how did how did you find it because you came in i was in those skeptic. first few weeks yeah yeah i mean you remember when you first yeah. told me about it i was like oh i thought i kind of i do pilates for one type of exercise and mm. i do rower for a, for another type but that's the point it's so amazing that you get it all in one and i did one class not skeptic not skeptic skeptical but i was you know like oh, okay like i'm you know support rams loved it i came Mm. back within two days and i've been back like so many times i love it it's so efficient you really do feel the diversity of the workout all your muscles are working like the next day i'm like where are those how am i sore in places i didn't know i had like it's i love it it's amazing there's there's something about the slow twitch fast twitch fibers working together and Mm. um you know, where else can you do something that's low impact but also high intensity? Yeah. Um, you know, there's very minimal risk of injury, but it's tough. Like it's so hard. I, I went to the I remember going to the States because that's where it originated. I went to um, Orange County um, in Newport Beach and I did the workout and I was like, Oh my god, that's one of the hardest things I've ever done in my whole life. I'm like, <laughs> but how? It's a reformer bed with a concept two rower. Like it doesn't make any sense. Like um <laughs> There's this, once you finish a class, there's this huge endorphin rush that I just find I'm happy all bloody day. Like, mm. um, so yeah, it's, it's really cool. I think, um, I think the industry needs something like this. I think men particularly need something like mm. this. They will traditionally not focus on their core and not focus on, on, on glute activation and, and things like that. Um, so, his glutes are definitely unactivated. Yeah. It's like causes injury though. Like it's an ongoing problem. Yeah, exactly. So, um, <laughs> you know, Nick's glutes. We, we, yeah, Nick's, Nick's bloody glutes. And he, he's had that many injuries as well. In that, the yeah. Because he doesn't do any of the like strength core activation. He only goes full pelt. Yeah. And one of the things that we both identified about why it's so good and why it's so hard is because in a lot of classes and f45 i think is one of them you kind of control how hard you go like even though the class overall is really hard Mm. you can modify the exercises or choose the speed that you do them at to slack off if you're really you know hungover or tired or something yeah this class to even complete the exercises like at a bare minimum you can't fake it because like you'll fall through the bed or because the bed will, you know, like there's actually no way to just kind of wing your way through it. You have to do it properly to do it at all. Mm. And I think that's why Nick, find, he found it so difficult. He was like, why am I so shit at this class? Because he, you know, he prides himself on like being fit. Yeah, he does. <laughs> and I'm like, because you can't take a short, there is no shortcut. So if you don't have those muscles and have never activated them before, 
you have no choice but to activate them or you will fall. Like <laughs> Exactly. There's no hiding. And, and just to do the class, just to do the class through, um, I guess it's at, at basic, bare, bare minimum level, it's tough. Like it's yeah. tough. You can't, yeah, as you said, you can't hide. Um, but yeah, there's like, there's a reason we've made it so gender neutral. You know, we, we want, we want males and females. We want, we want guys to know that it is tough as well. Yeah. Reform um, is really hard. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, it's been, it's always been such a, um, you know, female skewed market in mm. Australia. Um, so it's really exciting to, to kind of be, be bringing that and seeing an even mix of men and, and women. And yeah, I mean, we put so much time into, I guess, all the little touch points in the studio and like you would have seen all the little quotes and yeah, the, they're amazing. even the scent, you know, working on the, the scent of the studio. You know, we identified the number one reason females leave gyms in Australia is due to cleanliness. So we put saffron in the scent, which almost smells like a, almost like a chlorine kind of smell. It smells fresh, right? Wow. And then we got, because we play a lot of Jay-Z um, with an R&B, <laughs> we put cognac in the scent as well. Shut up. That's amazing. And so, I did not know that. Yeah. So we've got, because we want every strong studio to smell the same, mm. um, you know, globally. Yeah. And so there's all these little sort of things we've included that, you know, people will walk in and go, yeah, I know that smell. Yeah. Or I know that, you know, I know that little space or I know that little quote or... Yeah. Um, and the wet towel at the end of the class is like my favorite part of the whole thing because you couldn't need anything more. Yeah, yeah. So it's a it's a towel soaked in eucalyptus oil that's been put in the fridge. So you get that on the back of your neck. The lockers all have individual chargers in them, so you can charge your phones throughout the class. <laughs> you know your audience. But these things, I think it's all these little one percenters that that um, that that will get you noticed. But at the end of the day, it's the it's the core values of the business and the workouts themselves and, and all that sort of thing that's that's really going to provide sustainability and, mm. and build advocacy for um, through customers actually achieving results. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm just really excited to see what the next month or two looks like, particularly for our members, mm. and see what how their body composition changes. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's going to be really cool. I'm so excited. I'm so excited yeah. to see what happens when you apply everything that you've learned and everything that you've been able to master, but to your own thing. Like I, I already, I can see how much more control you have over all the touch points and love that I'm like, this is a true injection of everything that you guys have learned, but also you've been able to personalize it so much. And I'm just so excited to see how it goes. But that leads very nicely to the next section, which is called NATA. And I think one of the most important things to go through in any new idea is that obviously there's so many exciting parts of seeing it launch and filling out the classes and being able to add your own personality to it. But there's also a whole heap of shit behind the scenes and getting yourself there. Yep. And one of the main things that I think is probably we speak much more about it for women but I think it's equally as relevant to men is the self-doubt piece. When you're first putting something out there and publicly, especially when you've got kind of all eyes on you, you've got a lot of press going on and you have a big audience already of people who are keenly watching your every next move. Do you ever have moments where you just doubt that it'll all work or whether you question yourself and just kind of like, what am I doing? Like, do you have those anymore? Yeah, absolutely. And I guess now now I'm in a really good rhythm. I'm, I'm in a really good place, but um, there was a point a couple of months ago before we launched where where army actually pulled me aside and he just said mate you just you gotta back yourself here like he's mm -hmm. like you gotta believe in yourself um because you know we're doing something completely fresh um there was no there was no real proven concept i visually thought i knew how the studio was meant to look but i've never really built anything from scratch like that and it was i, I yeah there was a there was a, a couple of months there when my productivity was just so low mm. and it was all based off self-doubt i think i didn't wow. i didn't know what the next step was um and he was just like mate just just back yourself and just go hard and and he, he goes you got to trust in in your instinct and your experience and um and yeah and like thank god we had that conversation yeah. because um after that we just both of us just just went hard and and now we're open and I think it's relatively well received. So, so well received. Yeah. But it, it is it's so interesting. And I think reassuring for everyone else to know that even things that do have all the right ingredients going for them, you're still always going to go through that period of, shit, what am I doing? Like, is it going to work? Have I done the wrong thing? It's just part of the process. Yeah. And I guess like this, this industry is a very tough one. And um, I guess, you know, you kind of got to block out all the background noise. Mm. Um, 
as much as I love this space, this fitness space, it is very cannibalistic and there's a lot of shit that gets talked and, um, and you know, it's the old thing. Why can't everyone just get along? But why can't we all be friends? Yeah, there's there's, there's so much judgment, and and yeah. people are all going for the same piece of pie. They all want that 28 year old female. You know, it's like, um, yeah, it, I copped a copped a lot of shit in the background. But um, you know, when you need to, I guess, stick to your guns, and um, yeah, yeah. So how do you another another thing that I think. I think about often and I get quite surprised because Nick goes through the same thing is because you are in an industry where, again, it can be really competitive, it can be quite catty, but also because you're kind of meant to be living and breathing everything that you're selling to your audience. Do you find the pressure to be like consistently fit and strong and look the part hard? Because I know Nick... It's it's such a strong. I mean, he doesn't even have studios, but it's such a strong part of his identity that he sometimes feels the pressure to do. And I do as well. Like where you know, when you're putting yourself out there all the time, do you find that even more so because you are in the industry? Yeah, I really did. There was a point there where I had a huge identity crisis where um, I'd actually broken my ankle. Um, I remember. You remember that? Yeah, yeah. And you couldn't work out. I couldn't. I couldn't work out and. I think it was the universe telling me to slow down and just because at the time I was just like training hard and I'm like I want another business I want to do this and that mm. and everything whatever and, and you um, were traveling you were in Bali like every two weeks for a year or something like yeah. it was nuts. So uh, when I couldn't train and literally all I could do was go from the couch to the fridge to the bathroom, um, I I was like, well, who who am I without my training videos and without without a rig and without posting all this crap on Instagram that I was <laughs> that I thought that I was I was getting satisfaction from. Yeah. And it, and that was really really tough. And then I kind of realised that and doesn't really matter. You know, mm. nothing really matters. And and now I kind of when I look at like social media and what I'm putting up and whatever else. I don't really give a fuck about how ripped I look or how shredded I look. I, I try and just um, provide value to mm. whoever's watching. And, and I, I like, I, I think I like more of that business path because that's actually what I'm passionate about. I'm not so much a fitness guy. And I, I actually think Nick's the same as well. Mm. He's such a such an intelligent guy and he's, he's actually helped me with so much. I, I don't think that he deep down is that real fitness kind of mm you know, influencer kind of guy. I think I think his real qualities are in his brain. Um, oh, Rams. But would you, wouldn't you agree? Like, yeah, I think you both are like yeah. that. And I think it's so interesting having known you both for such a long time and seen you both go through, at a very similar time actually, that separation of your how you perceive yourselves from that kind of very physical, hardcore, like alpha which is still a big part of you, but separating your your ability to see your value in that and starting mm. to value the different sides of you and pull yourself away from needing to be that all the time or from kind of breaking down if you're not like that. Because Nick had the same. He was injured for ages um, from the not doing Pilates and stuff mm. and had the same thing. He was like, who am I if I'm not like eight pack? You know, what am I going to do if I have a dad bod? Like, you know, he, he had to really like refine who he was and value his brain again and like, be able to see that there's much more to that and I think both of you have gone through that and now have like such a better relationship with social media and with yourselves and like with working out you work out to be strong and not to necessarily like have an external result and it's interesting that guys go through it as well because I think girls don't think they do yeah I think I think guys go through it particularly almost I'm not going to say more but I think um you're right it, it is hidden a little bit more mm. um and you can you can actually see it like oh it also comes with age maturity comes with age and um I, I can see it in a lot of younger guys and mm. I can see what what they're kind of going through and what's important to them and there's nothing wrong with that but I think um at some stage you your values change mm. um otherwise you kind of just get too caught up in that world and mm. nothing's ever good enough and and you never look good enough and you never you know you're never performing good enough and um and it's sort of a recipe for disaster i think yeah um which is why i actually hate bodybuilding contests i hate um the aesthetics of everything i, I just i think training to to feel good is the most important thing um you know, but it's actually like when we run journey retreats, it's actually the, the last thing on, on the priority list. 
So when we basically will take a big group of people and we'll talk about four key components and make them work on those four key components throughout the retreat. Number one is sleep, okay, as the most important thing. Number two is hydration. Wow. Three is nutrition and four is movement, right? That's fascinating. Now, if you're doing all those four things, you're going to be performing at your peak. But if one of those things slips, mm. yeah, and you, you would know, like being... Mm. The amount of work and the, the amount of stuff you have on your plate, when you neglect your training and when you, when you neglect your sleep um, and when you're eating shit, you know. Um, you feel it straight away. Yeah, yeah. So before we move on to the next section, the last question in this area is just about burnout and that, you know, need to be productive and that pressure to always be achieving, particularly when you're actually excited about what you're doing. I think sometimes you lose sight of any incentive to do what you were just talking about, to prioritize rest. Those, The importance of those things, it's so easy to forget when you're like, eyes on the prize, I've got to get this stuff out, like I'm launching and I need, you know, there's always something on the to-do list when you run your own show. Yep. And also because you're, you're balancing, you know, you do have your own personal profile and you do want to be spreading messages of the things you're passionate about. And digital, you know, social media makes it possible to be online all the time. So how do you balance that? Do you ever feel like that productivity pressure is a challenge for you? Do you burn out? Like, do you overdo it? How do you manage that? Yeah, I, I generally will get to a point and it, it only really happens once every month or so where I'm just <laughs> like, I need to stop. Yeah. Like, I need to really stop. I need to take a breath. I need to not only do things like play piano and sleep in and stuff like that, which I, pr I really appreciate as sleep in these days. Um, it, it's more just looking after yourself and doing things away from, from work. And it's hard because, you know, I'm happy today because my studios are performing really well and it's a, it, there is a direct correlation between my work and my happiness. Mm. And to, I, I find that when I'm completely burnt out and, and I need a break, I actually just need to stop myself from working and mm. I need to go visit my, you know, my little niece, Manaya, oh, or, or just hang out with, with Leah more, yeah, more recently and just, just go on a date or just, I, I don't know, just do things that aren't work related. Um, would you agree with that? Oh is my that, gosh, yeah. absolutely. The, the literal whole next section is exactly on that point. And the whole point of the podcast is that yay has to be part of the equation and it can't all just be like, a goals, achievement, work, productivity, your identity can't be just your output because we're human beings. We're not human doings. And what we do is really important, but it can't be everything or you'll, you will, you'll burn out either. If you don't physically burn out, you'll mentally burn out or your creativity will burn out. Like in some way it's not going to work if you just never, ever take a break, but also life's really short. And if you miss out on all the fun stuff outside, like the stuff that isn't work and that isn't achievement based is just a shame. Like we're not here to just work and die. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. There's so much more to life. And <laughs> I, I mean, on the other hand as well, like you, if you do give yourself that time and you come back to your work, how much more productive are you? So much. And efficient and, and, and articulate and your brain works and you can just yeah. actually do stuff. Um, I also yeah. find, I don't know if you find this, but when I do take a step back, that's when I have my best ideas. Like yep. I'll be just, I don't know, like we went, had a Tassie trip and it was the first break we'd had in, I don't even know how long, like maybe eight months. And because we were physically out of our day-to-day -day environment. Oh, oh Timber. Timmy. <laughs> she's a great, she's a great. I think that sounded like a yay. <laughs> but yeah, we, we hadn't taken a break in you know, all year. And it was that weekend when we were out in the middle of the snowy mountains on Cradle Mountain, like totally out of context that I was like, I'm going to do a podcast. That's where it happened. It didn't happen when I was like sitting at home at my desk churning. It didn't happen when I was like... I love that. You know, it yeah. always, they always hit me when I'm like just doing some random thing that's not related to anything. And I'm like, oh my God, my brain had a rest and it could make some room for ideas. So that is the last section. It's called Play TA, which is pretty much where you do just go through all the parts of yourself that aren't your work and that aren't your productivity and the things that make you happy and the, the things that make you you that aren't work. And I know piano is a really big one of those for you. And hanging out with Leah and little Manaya, your little niece, who her name means warrior. It's She's just the most beautiful little baby in the whole entire world. She is. She's the cutest She's thing. so cute. <laughs> what else do you do for fun um 
It's a really tough question, actually, because I actually I'm re- I, sometimes I really struggle to figure out what I enjoy outside of work. But I think the, I, the most important thing to me I've realised is is my friends and family. And as you get older, your cir- your, your inner circle gets a lot smaller. Um, <laughs> yeah, just three people count as a circle. Um, <laughs> just. <laughs> <laughs> Just two is a straight line, three is a circle. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, well, good then. We're, yeah. we're kind of at circle. But yeah, I guess what I really value is just spending time with 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 those quality people that that, that care about me, and mm. um, you know, it's as simple as walking into your in, into your best friend's house and, and and grabbing something out of their fridge and knowing that they don't care if you're eating whatever. Or, like, it's just <laughs> yeah. all these little things. That, just the day to day. And there's no there's no need to to be talking about work or 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 pumping yourself up or or you know it's just like it can be so natural. I, I just yeah I really value just hanging out with my mates now and yeah I love my red wine. I, I really love a good Tassie Pinot. Ooh. Um Yeah, I just yeah. Just chilling. I, I actually do love that about you that you can still party and have fun, you know, at the end of the working day. If you've had a really big year, like your thirtieth was it was like the Festival de la Ramsey in Byron and you took like forty of your best mates to these four houses that were all attached to each other and mm. we just like had the best time. Well it was I just found like a lot of a lot of my schoolmates and that everyone was sort of getting married and that and I thought you know <laughs> I'm I, I didn't have a girlfriend at the time and mm. I was just thought I want to do something big that that brings everyone together because I love weddings I loved your wedding by the way oh, um, we loved having you it was there. so much fun but- and just I wanted to do something um, yeah that brought everyone together and also got you know the people who I grew up with who were re- really important to me and also the people who have who've been a part of my life in the last five years when, you know, when all this business stuff's happened and like, that's like yourself and Nick. And, um, it was cool to integrate all my friendship groups and, and my family as well. And, um, everyone got along so well, either they all knew each other already, which is a really cute thing or they, oh, Jim, sorry about that. No, all good. What about TV? Do you watch Netflix? Are you a podcast guy? Probably more of a podcast guy. Um, I'm very, I'm a bit boring in this regard, but you know, your standard Joe Rogan's, Rogan. your Gary V's, I was very impressed <laughs> with, with one of your guests. Um, yeah, and no, I do, I do like to listen to a lot of educational podcasts. Mm. I'm not really into the, sort of the murder mysteries and all the, you know, the crime stuff. I, I really like <laughs> the educational stuff and I like, um, I like listening to people's stories and yeah. in terms of TV, I, I, I don't really watch much TV. I, I do a lot of um, flying to Bali, so yeah. I pretty much um, know every single movie that's, you know, On that that's route. known to man. But um, <laughs> yeah. What, it, what's your favourite? What, what kind of, oh, I've never asked you this, what kind of movie genre guy are you? Um, Interesting that about the podcast thing because murder podcasts are my favourite. Oh, really? So, like, I can't get enough. It's really weird. Because I'm a really zen, like, positivity. And then, like, when I relax, I'm like, serial killers. <laughs> it's weird. It's interesting you can learn how to, you know, kill someone and get away with it. Absolutely. But, um, yeah. And I'm a lawyer. I'm like, I know all the, like, ins and outs. Like, this is dangerous. It's a perfect storm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, you like rom-coms or, like, action. My, my fa- I like real interesting movies. So, like, my favourite movie is probably Limitless. I love that movie. Yeah. I just like things that are a little bit outside the norm, a little bit different and, and that sort of um, push the, the bounds of, of, of what can actually, you know, of reality. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think one thing I love about you so much, and I don't think you know what the first time you meet you, but over time it's like this guy's brain, your mind, it's still a sponge. You just are so curious about stuff. Like you always just want to know how things work and understand like the limits of people's potential. And like, I just love that you're always learning, even though you think that you're done with the learning. I think you're always actually observing and learning. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I guess learning from like a traditional sense with, you yeah, know, studying, studying, maybe not, but you're very uh, observant. I feel like you observe the way things work and then 
always a thinking like how can I apply this or how can I do better at what I'm doing and I love that about you You can see the cogs ticking like all the time yeah and I think just just going through life is one big case study like I know that sounds (laughs) weird but it's your marketing background yeah but you you can look at like when you go buy a smoothie from a from like what Mm. why why was that smoothie good what what was good about the you know what was good about the cafe what like all these little things and I guess you know just being more observant with that sort of stuff and implementing that into our own business has been a really cool process. Mm. Like literally just writing notes like, um, hey, that 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 restaurant was, I don't know, the lighting was amazing. Mm. Taking a photo of the lighting, like just things like that, you know. Mm. Um, yeah, it's cool. Oh, so cool. All right, second last question. What are three interesting things about you that don't normally come up in conversation? Oh, I haven't even thought about this stuff. Oh, well, now's the perfect opportunity. Um, These are like the quirky, weird thing. This is my favorite question because people come up with the weirdest stuff like raw carrots make me cough or like I'm allergic to, I don't know, or my party trick is I can juggle or, you know, like what are your weird party tricks? Do you have like any pet peeves? Pet peeves are really fun because really patient, calm people are like, I fucking hate it when blah, blah, blah. All right, I need to really think about this. Yeah, have a reflect. Take a minute. Okay, I'll take a minute. <laughs> How about think from your housemate's perspective? Like what would Britt or Tim or Leah think, know about you that no one else would because they see you every day? Like do you have weird habits? So I'd say my, I've got one party trick and one dance move and it's a worm. And Shut up. How have you never done that? But I can only do, I can only do one worm. Okay. So... So you got to have you, the camera you know how ready. People will do the worm and they'll just keep going backwards. Yeah. I, I do the worm once, but I, I go from my feet and I jump up and do like a big jump into it. Like you but, land in a handstand yeah. and then you do, oh, wow. Because of the momentum, I can never get the second one going. So <laughs> That's like me with butterfly. I can do like one like big butterfly thing and then I just drown. It's great. Yeah. Can you do the worm? <laughs> I can do the worm. It's been a, a many a year. Okay. I reckon I, reckon I probably could. I'm not going to do it right now, but maybe one next time we're out together, we can try. You can you can show me after this. Okay. Um, another <laughs> another thing is I, I speak Ukrainian, so. Oh, that's a great one. Yeah. Fluently, does the whole family speak it? Yeah, the whole family does. I, I did Ukrainian school for like oh my ten God. years. Oh You so, were the ethnic kid who went to language school. Yeah. Every every Saturday, you know, my mates were were off, you know, playing footy and stuff, and I was learning my Ukrainian. Oh. So that's been good. But as as I've gotten older, like. You know, we speak it less and less, but I had family Christmas on Sunday and, and my grandma was there and we, we had a little mm. bit of dialogue, which was good. But yeah, but it's sort of, it's weird because Ukrainians, it's like a dying language. It's mm. Even in Ukraine, like they, they will speak predominantly Russian. So um, it's kind of weird. I know this language that, that maybe isn't getting spoken that much now, but... It's cool. Yeah. <laughs> Give me some more examples. <laughs> Um, do you have any habits like, and like things that other people find annoying or like, do you have a nervous like leg tick or do you, what do you do around the house? It's like, do you have any weird pajama habits? I think, do you um, snore? Are you a naked sleeper? Yeah, I'm, like, I'm, I, you... I snore. I definitely snore. Um, I've been snoring a lot lately and I didn't realize until I started dating Leah, but every time I start to fall asleep, she'll push me on my side because oh. I'm always on my back and yeah. Romantic. I'm like, yeah, I think we can dig a little deeper. Um, probably, probably something a little more interesting. Like, I actually get really, really nervous with a lot of like, with a lot of this kind of stuff. So, if I have to get up and say a speech, or whether it's in front of five people or fifty people or, or whatever, I do a podcast, or I actually get super, super, super nervous. That's so interesting. And like you wouldn't notice this, but before like I walked away and and took three really deep breaths through my nose and out through my mouth just to slow my heart rate down. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And you always seem so composed. Yeah. Yeah. I think it sometimes it's a, it's a really good thing, but you know, it can be, it gets annoying at times. I'd love to be that person that can just get up there and, and, and do things unprepared and, um, you know, but I struggle. You're really good at it. But I still have that beforehand. Yeah. I think people, I think what you and I are good at is not showing it. Mm. It's not that we don't feel it. We just don't show it. Like other people wouldn't know. But I think 
one thing that's made me a lot more comfortable about that kind of like sweaty palm nerves, heart racing thing is that the minute I don't get it will be the minute that I'm like, I don't care enough. Yeah. Because it means you care about doing a good job. Like if you're nervous, it means you're invested. If you're just like, I'm chill with this, it means you're probably not coming up with anything new or you've done it too many times in that exact same way. Like the nerves come because you're doing something new and exciting that's uncomfortable because you're you care you're invested in the outcome yeah i 100% agree with that mm. oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and very last question since i love quotes so much what's your favorite quote okay so i actually took a screenshot here i posted it back in where's the date so this was 21st of august uh 2016 when i launched ascot vale f45 ascot vale um I, I put this quote up so when it feels scary to jump that's exactly when you jump Otherwise, you end up staying in the same place your whole life. That's such a good one. Mm. And very you. I think that's very the, your journey. Yeah, I think it's, it's reflective of, of actually, um, you know, sometimes the, the most, uh, I guess, the scariest things and the scariest decisions, particularly in business, can become the best ones. And mm. we need to be pushing ourselves outside our comfort zone. Otherwise, we will stay in the same place. Mm. Well, yeah. I don't fear that you will ever stay in the same place. I don't think you can stay in the same place very long, but that's one thing I love about you. And it's, I think this will be very inspiring and insightful for a lot of people. So thank you so much for pushing through the nerves. It was an amazing chat. Yeah, thanks so much. And thanks for yeah, just ha taking the time to, to chat about all this stuff. I, Always. Yeah, I really appreciate it. And, oh, and thanks for your support as well over the last sort of five years. Oh, right back at you. I've literally, yeah. guys, like the reason I'm not obese is because of Ramsey. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sure you'd be fine. <laughs> oh, I love this one so much. What a great episode to finish with for the year. I'm so lucky to be surrounded by such interesting, clever and generous people. And I learn from Rams every day. If you want to give Strong a try, let me know. I'm always up for a class. The row former is absolutely amazing. So maybe we could even do a little CCA group class. And as always, please show Ramsey your love and support. Screenshot this episode now and share, tagging at RamsLegit when you share the story. As always, best screenshots and shares of your takeaways will win one of our little CCA quote of the day flipbooks. I hope you have the most wonderful festive season and new year, everyone. Thank you so much for an amazing 2019 and we'll be back in a few weeks.